I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. We're going to talk for about 45 minutes or so, and I have many questions, but I think that uh, Ed's going to read, first of all, uh, from the introduction to the book. Yes. So this is uh, called An Introduction to the Work, and it's from the beginning, and uh, it's probably badly named, I think. Uh, Dears, millions of urgent, mega-bereaved children will hurl wills wedged inside denuded plastic bottles and at cursed lakes forever choked with same X. A little later, after hours, lining the shore, they're um, perfectly normally reflexively force gagging one another with forebears' forefingers, which come in stiff pairings, snapped off at the love, tightly parceled in red paisley bandanas that are now, we understand, browning and sodden with an unchecked gravy of the same X. Said ramming home, so said summoning asphyxial opinions, and sadly so soon after our super hot bodies disentangled, X, my mind is in your crotch, X, while I sit staring at this piano's tremendously intelligible anachronisms, the acceptance of this pen's disabilities, the blithe arrogance of a fat analogue wristwatch, X. Conservatively speaking, the machine-chamfered tools of late phallic whittling abound, and universally so, honestly, X, very much capable of honing any stubborn shape into the absolute spit. Normally, blunt knives designed as such and held just so for really wholesome bruising in the main. A particular pedagogic method, firm spheroidal fruit wielded inside ivory Egyptian cotton pillowcases. So very nearly a joke, right? A cut then, is only worried into the world once weeks are spent on one rose-maddening patch of winning inner thigh, which uh, resembles nothing so incisive as the act of a blade, but rather ripping or snagging of clumsy child portions from a dim source with your monstrous fingernails, X, under which we will retrieve dark evidence of that vast out-of-town mattress of toxic green moss and a lover's forensic picnic at the site thereof, comprising Alertec, corroborated by kale and vivid yellow slime mold, right? Recuperated, if needs be, post-mortem, and that's a threat, hence the urgency around will penning, if law is to be so very previous. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. 
You and I first met six years ago yeah. when um, Ed was very kind enough to invite me to talk at a, an event that he had co-organized at the ICA called A Dying Artist. And yes. it was a fascinating day of talks, screenings, performances um, around the theme of death and art. And more particularly, um, it kind of coalesced around the idea of these figures who knew that they were either mortally ill or approaching an end. And there was a certain sense of a kind of urgency in the work under discussion, but also in that day. And I talked about hypochondriacs and generally kind of uh, moany and maundering characters. And I think the, ne the next part of the day was that you showed um, the first episode of Dennis Potter's uh, Singing Detective. Yeah. And Potter, for me, is a, one of the most obvious figures in terms of the way that one thinks about that sense of mortality, physicality, and urgency. Somebody yeah. who suffered uh, for half his life with a serious illness, who at the very end of his life on TV speaks about his death, which is just weeks away. Yeah. And in a way, the, the interview, it's, I'm sure many people saw that interview, uh, have seen it since, with Melvin Bragg, is his last work. Mm. Maybe we can talk about writers, and Potter might be uh, one of those uh, later on, <clears throat> but the really striking thing for me reading, especially uh, the early pieces in A Primer for Cadavers, including the title piece, is a particular focus, not just on the body, we can talk about bodies in general later on, but about corpses, cadavers, mm. the <clears throat> being in the presence of illness, mortality, yeah. the reality uh, of death. And I wonder if we can begin to sort of open up some of the ways in which you think about that in the work and in the writing particularly. Well, that, um, that, why, why all these corpses? Yes. Well, that one's, that's, that's too big a question, that yeah. final one. But, uh, yeah. but, uh, but I think the, the Dennis Potter thing was, was such a signal thing. And I didn't see it, I didn't see it when it came out. But uh, my co-organizer of the Dying Artist thing, Sean Parkinson, um, uh, was obsessed by uh, The Singing Detective and sort of could, you know, put me into that, that frame of mind as well. But then this, this final interview, the last interview, which it's sort of so caps lock kind of called um, with Melvin Bragg, everything about it uh, was kind of revelatory. The scenography almost, the, the, even the texture of the technology used in filming it the fact that we watch Dennis Potter and, and Melvin Bragg wander into the set as if they've just sort of arrived, uh, and Dennis Potter's talking about, I'll need my liquid morphine here, and I'll, I'll have this flute of champagne um, and my pack of silk cut. You know, the, the, the little props, the blue lighting of the thing. And the fact that Dennis Potter is so ready to speak effusively and, and with such insane lucidity about... Uh, his impending death, his entire life previously, and what he's working on now, you know. I mean, he was always someone that, that clearly was incredibly confident and, and, and you know, and, and quite showy off about his, his politics, his position and stuff. But, but this thing, to be in the presence of someone with the presence of mind to know what it was to speak as someone that was aware of their impending death. Uh, I mean, I should say that... that this, for, for me, this was all happening at the time of my own father's death. So everything was everything, obviously, when someone you love is dying and then dead, everything is through that lens. So obviously, 
Dennis Potter's thing became, you know, the go-to. I mean, I can't think of a single artwork or thing that, that was be that was better at uh, channeling uh, an extraordinary optimism around mortality, around fallibility, and around around the knowing that you're going to die and what that what that afforded, which is something that I don't know. I've never been there. Oh, I will at one point <laughs> soon. Well, not soon. Some... <laughs> Fuck, I don't... yeah, I've, I'm going to, no. But you know, I mean, I suppose the lucidity that he's talking about that you can never, you can't describe to someone. And Potter talks, and, and, and my favorite thing, and, and I know it's everyone's in a way, if you've ever seen this thing, is him talking about looking out the, the window of his studio and seeing the uh, blossom on the tree and it's the blossomist blossom and he, you know the confounding of language in that but also the um, the thrill of it you know that he's really almost on a level of material symmetry with the blossom or something it's uh, it's presence and his is so amazing and uh, yeah that I mean and then all of his work actually because it is completely uh, his life was hobbled and blessed by uh, uh, his horrendous kind of uh, psoriatic uh, disease, you know. Um, and, the, and the singing detective, I don't know, all of it was felt like the most extraordinary way to turn death into uh, into the thing, to, the the thing to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Mortality being the the condition that afforded everything that was wonderful at all, you know, yeah. Well, g given that you're at some distance from that moment, let's yeah. hope, right? Yeah. Um, I wonder what the, and I watched that uh, mm. when it was first shown, which sure. is what, 94 or something. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And shortly after my own father had died. Yes. And so it's entirely bound up for me with a sense, I guess, of what, one, what would one do if you were nearing that uh, and knew that you were nearing that moment. Yeah. And it's bound up for me with the beginning of writing, mm. um, with a sense that the answer to the question is you would write. Yeah. Um, but what does that mean? It's a cliche. We talked about this a little earlier in thinking, do we talk about Dennis Potter? Do we talk about that, that particular <laughs> clip? Um, and you said, well, it's adolescent. And it is absolutely to do with a certain kind of adolescent fantasy about the impending doom and the kind of heroism that might uh, that one imagines you might have yeah. in, in in the face of that. Yeah. But what is it in terms of writing and making that's being imagined <clears throat> there? Is it? I mean, this is what I, one of the things that I'm getting from the uh, the pieces uh, early on in this book. It's a particular kind of attention, um, and in a way, a sort of fearlessness about the facts of physical <clears throat> decay um, and destruction. Um, but it's something more than that. It's something to do with a particular sort of uh, precision to do with surfaces and detail. Yes. I, I think that, um, at least just to the, the, the Dennis Potter account, which rings so true, and it's, it's so much about that kind of lucidity that's afforded, even as he says that one knows that it's nonsense, necessarily, you know, like it can't be a truth that we all have this extraordinary lucidity as we approach it. I mean, watching my father die, he just was miserable. Fucking shit. The whole thing. As in, you know, there was no whitewater rafting and neither was there any productivity. Neither was there any kind of, there was just a cursed weeping, you know, so, which obviously is a kind of lucidity. 
But I think that the way that Dennis Potter does it, like so much, he's turning it, he's turning it into story, into drama. He's making it into something that uh, is worthy of BBC or Channel 4. You know, it's, uh, that's his, that was his thing, I think. And potentially he was a bit of an arsehole uh, in that regard. But, but I think that for me, um, that glimpse of uh, just how vivid everything becomes, not just life and not just the possibility for writing, but, but everything has a certain uh, fidelity. Suddenly it's like it's, it's, it's sharper than anything, you know. And for me, I suppose, I mean, I should say that my father kept like a thing called, he called sick notes. And he kept a diary since he was 16, you know, every day. This is his vast, un, I mean, we may as well burn it, you know, this sort of collection of stuff. It's just awful uh, somehow. But then he kept this thing from the day he was diagnosed till death, um, uh, writing separate diaries, sick notes. So clearly writing for him. And he, I remember he, would only, he was only capable of sort of reading quite sort of juvenile poetry, uh, watching sort of very genre-based bits of cinema. Nothing that was too moving. Uh, he'd weep at sort of the drop of a hat because, you know, suddenly all the ways in which we project ourselves into artworks, if you're dying and you know it, then you're going to weep, of course, when you hear anything, the stroke of a whatever. And uh, so I was very aware that the, the, the proximity of sentiment and of uh, meaning within feeling I don't know. I don't want to put too much on on my father's death or or on or on death, but it is called the Prime of Cadaver, so that's okay. Um, but I do think it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I sincerely believed in this lucidity. Mm. One of the things that it that bore fruit was trying to understand very particular, or well, reading other people around mm. this experience of the cadaver. And uh, what it what it means to sort of bear witness to the shuttling, the instantaneous shuttling off of uh, shuffling off, sorry, shuttling, and uh, uh, and the, this Blanchot thing about the two the, the material, essentially the material and the immaterial sort of realms of the dead body, you know, that became really uh, important because he's basically describing these impossible poles. One is one is, one is uh, the insane imminence of a dead body, you know, the infinite weight of that thing, and then the the lost memorial something that is never there and is weightless and whatever, and then the the, the, the dead body sort of oscillating like this. I don't know. It, it's one of those things that you know what it's. I mean, if you lose someone, that's you you force rhyming with so much, you know, <laughs> you. You really like look for the chime of uh, this thing with this thing and, and, and make it true. So I, I'm well aware that a lot of what I sort of gleaned from it was potentially erroneous, but it, it, mm -hmm. um, it helped, you know. And, and it feeds into something that we'll come back to, which is, is uh, for the moment, a fairly crude kind of distinction between <laughs> the material and a kind of yeah. dematerialization yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or a kind of like uh, spirited... Yes. presence at the, at the same time. You, yeah. you said that it led you to um, reading others on that particular subject. Mm. The, the spectacle of the, the cadaver, the being in the presence of the cadaver, yeah. a kind of imagination of what it would mean to be the cadaver uh, yeah. in some sense. I wonder if you could maybe talk a little bit about who, what those sources 
are as a yeah. way of, I mean, I'd love you to read that particular piece shortly, yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a Primer for Cadavers, the title piece. Well, but the, I mean, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the Blanchard thing that I mentioned that, that had, a, uh, had a really, also because I was studying moving image, mm -hmm. oh, it suddenly was, you know, uh, and, and I was trying very hard to write about, um, about, uh, well, write uh, structural materialist sort of criticality into digital uh, stuff. And obviously they don't really work because predominantly the, the kind of critical angle of, or political angle really, of, of, of structural work is that you, you get to see the workings, you know, and then you, you're sort of aware of them even as this uh, whatever fiction or whatever kind of uh, canopy is built around it, but you're still aware of the scaffold. Um, and with digital stuff, there is this really superlative kind of capacity to hide everything, everything, or, or spirit it away or whatever. So I was trying to write about this, and the Blanchot thing, that thing about the, the dead body being both super present, physically heavier than whatever, and then and disappeared at the other end, seemed to have some sort of rhyme. I don't know, the Chris Davis stuff, the, the, the Black Sun, mm -hmm. um, very particularly, um, and then latterly, her very direct kind of uh, piece about the, uh, the severed head. Mm -hmm. And the, or like, almost how, how, how important it felt actually to return to kind of like a, what people might sneer at as a kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the insuperable sort of giant symbolic order, you know, of like death and sex mm. and love and all of these things came flooding back as a sort of, uh, all subtlety sort of disappeared. Mm. <laughs> Suddenly everything was sort of like, uh, literal, you know, this symbol is, no, it is, it's the thing, you know, it's, it, and so a lot of, a, a lot of stuff sort of appeared that, that felt almost retardedly good, you know, uh, uh, in its literality. You know, um, I mean, a lot of sort of postmodern American stuff, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, um, Edward Dorn. And, I mean, and when I say retarded, I really don't mean it as a bad thing. I mean, it as the most, you know, as like a final point of progression somehow, like their ability to summon a thing and allow it in certain ways. Um, Bartelme and, and, and Sorrentino and all of, all of these people. But then also, Gillian uh, uh, um, Rose, her book, Love's Work, the, um, the way that she affords her body in that thing, the way that she celebrates the sort of fecundity of her own shit. My God, you know, that thing, that's incredible. Um, that, I, I think that's the singular, I mean, what's all, is, uh, I suppose a lot of the men writing about this stuff mm -hmm. are deeply sad and... Uh, want to kill themselves, but <laughs> her thing has this ins uh, extraordinary productivity in it of like the stoma, the shit unfurling out of her side. Um, she she sees this warm, uh, fecund thing, and it, it's extraordinary. Anyway, so that was a deep help and extraordinary, and you know. So there was, I mean. I, but I also remember my, my dad reading Burgess, you know, like, and his, you know, he was supposed to die like three or four times or something. And, and dad took uh, solace in this, even as he also hated every article that was about, you know, eat enough blueberries and, and maybe the cancer will go. Or, or what you should be doing is, is 
you know, I don't know, bungee jumping off the Victoria Falls <laughs> or something, you know, all that stuff when obviously you, all you want is to retreat within, to, within solidarity as well. And I, yeah, uh, the, the constellation of that stuff, I think, is particularly all of the, all of, all of the work from the beginning to like the middle is, is very explicitly mm -hmm. attached to that, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, the question of literalism, I think, is really interesting. Maybe mm. we'll, we'll come back to that um, later, sure. because there are the, certain moments in certain of the, uh, the pieces that are about this sense that one could write a sentence, make a text, even speak a word. You know, mm. that there, could, that, that there could be uh, just an, an utterance that would make something, yeah. that, would, that would literally make yeah. something happen in the world, yeah. that would make something come into being which is a kind of magic, but it's something else, and it's uh, important <coughs> in, the, uh, in, the, in the visual work. But for the moment, can we, yeah. can we kind of punctuate our dalliance with, uh, with death, with maybe you reading a little of uh, Primer, yeah. the yeah. title piece? Totally, yeah. totally. Let me just find it. This, weirdly, was premiered at the same thing you, you spoke at, this thing called The Dying Artist. Um, and it kind of turned into a video. Oh, my God. There's an index or a contents, right? It's, it's there is. Fine. There is. Um, <laughs> a video that doesn't exist anymore, according to the acknowledgement. Ah, no, that's a different one. Is, ah, there's another okay. one called Or Tears, of course, that I, I hated the video so much. But I want, there was a particular chunk of this that I wanted to read that uh, because I felt like, you know, the kind of the, 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 tra the trawling of sufficient language, you know, the, the, every... I don't know, everyone's sort of horror around the insufficiency of language to, uh, to recoup and how gorgeous that is as well. You know, the kind of the, the, the balancing out of fuck, you know, it's not going to do it. And also how amazing that uh, this won't do it. <laughs> this won't. So um, <clears throat> I'll just read you the final, final bit. When the undertakers came, you were respectfully asked to vacate the vicinity. We you two, went into the room next door while they, on the other side of the wall, wrestled the cadaver into a bag. Not wrestled, folded. Respectfully, quietly folded the cadaver into a bag. And we watched uh, silently through the window as the undertakers, eyes averted, seemingly from everything, carried it up the drive and out of sight to a hearse, presumably, though I can also picture a white transit when we returned to the room the cadaver had been in, the undertakers had left behind the cadaver's glasses and pajamas, which was shocking for you in particular, I think. They'd undressed it. Pajamas like the pages of yet more diary, skid marked maybe, though I'm, I'm pretty sure you didn't see that. Maybe you did. You won't talk about it. Ahead, the cadaver is naked, naked but clothed in abrasions, wounds, ulcerations, etc., lichen, moss, Ferns, prehistoric dragonflies acting as wingmen or a, a wide-brimmed hat, sweating profusely now, and the sun beating down on the cadaver up ahead, heightening the stench, the miasma, a, a visible shimmer haloing its shape, the whistling, singing, whatever it is, is more piercing now, a high-pitched whine that's setting my teeth on edge and further blurring the edges of my senses, a vignetting at the boundaries of every sense. My fingers are numb. And how on earth would you describe it? The back of a latex mask worn for hours as a child, wet with condensation and a few tears, an ill bit of wind, foundations of a house, the gummy corners of your hungover mouth, 
the airing cupboard, the collapsed plash of a beached jellyfish, an unkempt half, tinnitus, Lynx Africa, an alcove beneath the duvet, a Precambrian continent seen from the upper starboard wing of a biplane, the split spine of a Picador paperback, the infinite tonnage of cosmic space, a familiar gesture from an unfamiliar source, the unexpected bounce of gristle between molars, a clumsy but efficient and self-taught method of typing, a splinter in your palm from lugging an untreated pine coffin, the upturned body of something like a scarab beetle delicately righted in the hand to reveal iridescence, savoured, pocketed, only to be sprinkled out of same coat pocket a year or two later as sad, desiccated glitter, the thimble of stomach acid unexpected in a burp, your face transformed with upset. Okay, thank you. If we, if we sort of back up a little from, mm. from the specifics uh, uh, of the pieces for a moment, um, the book presents, um, as in that case, texts that are part of uh, <coughs> videos, texts yes. that are part of other kinds of, of work, texts that sit alongside work yeah. in certain shows, texts that are written about other people's work, mm -hmm. um, artists like Helen Martin, for example, mm -hmm. um, other texts that are otherwise unpublished, is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, lots. So it's very varied mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the sources for these pieces. I wonder if you can talk a bit about the writing, however, as a kind of ongoing practice. The, the sense that I get as a reader um, is that whatever the kind of provenance of these pieces, whatever their occasion uh, or commission, is of a kind of seething, you know, mm. uh, some, some, and, and maybe a sort of leakage, <laughs> something that's, uh, that's constant. Mm. Um, it feels like that in terms of the texture of the, the writing, which is... Mm. Texture, I think, is something we should talk about yeah, later yeah. on. Um, is that right? Uh, yes. Insofar as the writing is often the beginning of everything, mm. you know, its economy is is such that how could it not be? I mean, it'd be weird to make a video and then write for it or something. There's something I know. I mean, that's, maybe would it? Would it? I don't know. I, actually, I, I, suddenly, I, know, I, know. I can think. No, of but I mean, half a dozen artists, I know, yeah. friends who work in exactly that way. Well, I'm, right? I'm sorry to them. But I, I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean that, you know, like, there's such a, a vast, amazing lack in writing. I, I mean, liter literally, you know, there's something very citru uh, 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 simply uh, uh, about making video that kind of you can pile in a fuckload of stuff, which might totally sort of uh, lend itself to describing the, the total insufficiency of any of that stuff to do anything, of course. And writing is... And I don't mean it like in, in such a kind of dumb economy, but I, I, there is something about uh, being able to sit down and just write some sort of horrendous sentence very quickly mm -hmm. and be surprised by it. You know, there's not many other forms that move so quickly as to surprise their author, I think. Um, certainly not video, because, you, you know, waiting for things to render and stuff, there's, there's no, you know, it's horrendous. Although you can read a lot, I suppose, or whatever. Writing also can, can encourage a kind of rhythm and, a, and, and sort of egg you on, you know, insofar as the sufficiency of a, of, of a few little modicums of grammar and syntax and stuff can sort of allow you to get vertiginous pretty quickly mm -hmm. uh, and never end. Mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely uh, seeping and spilling and stuff, to totally, with all of it. 
Just to interrupt you, the, yeah. the, the word that you use um, a number of times in the book is and that you've used in yeah. uh, interviews when you talk about writing is gratuitous. Yeah. I wonder what that means. Both way more than is needed and never enough, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which is not a dictionary definition of gratuity at all. But, but you know, like it's like a, uh, that feeling of you can throw this sort of thesaurized felt horror at something and it will still be shit, you know. And uh, obviously there are lots of writers who, who can write with extraordinary economy and it's beautiful. Um, but for me, there is some marriage between the material infinite of everything, you know, and particularly a kind of uh, the body and its kind of constantly sort of mutating horrors <laughs> um, and language. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and language is, and I think it's, it, I mean, it may be interesting, it's kind of quite an English language thing. I think there's something about the way that the English language seems to be seems to be fascinated. I don't know that enough, and I can't speak anything else, <laughs> but I'm just volunteering that idea of uh, that there is something that I've felt in burrowing. I mean, I'm saying burrowing, you know, this, <laughs> and maybe, maybe better said it's just me, but um, it, feels, it feels like language is such a glorious open invitation to keep going, to keep trying to find the metaphoric little terrain and obviously there's there's so many horrendous sort of pratfalls of, of uh, disgusting kind of genre stuff you know or the poetic or fuck you know horrible things where where but, but where you find the right i mean so many times there's a lot of lists in this book mm. and i know none, i mean none of this is new but you know there's the kind of you know like push for uh, what is that? What's the thing? I've gone off on one, but uh, it's... Uh... Well, I wonder if it is a question of going off on one. Right? <laughs> I mean, in the, <laughs> yeah. in the sense that I wonder, as you, as you speak, I sort of wonder where, where is the pressure when you're, when you're writing? You know, the, where, where is it that you're kind of boring away at, digging uh, away at? Yeah. Is it, is it in turn... And this is, I think this is a kind of prelude to actually talking about the relationship between the texture of the language and the, tech, the visual texture of your, of your work. Yeah. But where is it happening? Is it happening as a kind of headlong rush in that sort of, you know, Beckett, not I sort of way, mm. here's a voice that's working mm. through me and it just won't stop? Mm. Um, or is it something that, that you're consciously doing at the level of word choice? There are like curious and really interesting word choices in, the, uh, in your writing. Is it happening at the level of punctuation? You know, would you, where, where is it going yeah. on in the, uh, in the writing? Because it, the impression is of a kind of, I think I used the word seething before, I'll use it again. That's Do what it, it feels like. It's a, a kind, yes, it's maggoty. And there is that amazing moment in one of the texts where you talk about the vision of uh, mice fleeing an encroaching forest uh, yes. fire. Yeah. And the mice are teeming so much that they become like the, like the spectacle of ants or yes. maggots yes. or some other sort of substance. Yeah writhing yeah. into the foreground, yes. as it were. Is that what writing feels like? I say, I think, I think oftentimes it feels like the fantasy of, of, of cinema, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to bring that in, because mm -hmm. that's what I should do. But, I, but also, I, I think it's, it's certainly not, it's, I mean, latterly, definitely more recently, it is the pleasure of 
it's pretty much entirely the pleasure of fucking things up, of, of, of like, but it, I think it always has been a certain kind of push towards generic fluency and the kind of mm -hmm. prevailing upon the idea that the reader understands this and this, mm -hmm. so therefore we can sort of grope this out and then ruin it, you know, and then, you know, because you can't disappoint unless you've had a point where people are, you know, uh, and that's definitely something that where, where, where the grammar or the syntax of the whole thing is starts to collude with, say, the video work, which often is pushing towards a kind of epiphanic kind of uh, uh, glorious something, and then is and then just ends with a sort of you know a little fart, you know, and and it's totally a kind of pathetic mm -hmm. shift. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, that it might be a shift from kind of like platitudinal whatever procedural something, and then erupt into kind of sort of violent, uh, incisive something, you know, that's sort of, well, I didn't want to be that close to you. You know, uh, I thought we would, we would just have this relationship and now you've pulled me into a sort of snogging distance or mm -hmm. something. And, uh, and I'm presumed to be, I don't, you know what I mean? What was that? Sorry. <laughs> it was vaguely a question about what writing feels like when you're doing it, I suppose. Um, I think it, but I think it's, I mean, you know, uh, I think it is, uh, um, for, for me, it's definitely the, the, not the easiest, but it's like the economy of it is one thing, the practicality mm. of just like, oh, I can do this just sitting down. But I'm also, I'm also definitely someone that writes with a lot of other shit going mm. on. I'm not, I, I don't like silence or anything. Mm. I'd rather be listening to things and maybe looking up stuff and, uh, reading, you know, like a sort of simultaneity of, of stuff so that there is a kind of chorus that can then be, that can, but, but in a way that that, that kind of two voluble chorus can be, can then become something like, uh, uh, oh, fuck off, you know, and then, and then I can, there are sensations that happen, you know, no one, you know, the idea now of, of a kind of romanticism, both around art making and, and writing, is a sort of nonsense. And so I, I would presume that most people are writing not in a garret with a Olivetti. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, you know they're, they're sort of doing it between the administration of their horrendous life, you know. Um, and, and I think that, 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 that maybe the aphorism, but also the kind of uh, fuck it, is at least minorly reflective of that. Mm. Mm. Which maybe leads us to think about those moments in the video work where the relationship between what is written and then what is yeah. spoken or and its relationship to the image and to the, especially I think to the texture of the image becomes really uh, obvious or fraught sure. in, in some way. Sure. And I wonder whether in fact <clears throat> the, the last long, long, long piece uh, uh, in the book um, which is performance capture, yeah. um, is a good example of this. It's also a good example of uh, a list piece in yeah, a way, or at least it visually has a kind yeah. of structure of a, uh, of a list. Um, how did that piece come about? Uh, it, 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 it was an invitation to do something for the Manchester International mm -hmm. Festival. And obviously the, the kind of contingency of that is that it's, it's only a week or two weeks long mm -hmm. or something. So it sort of has to engage the live in some way, you can't just make a video and then put it on for two weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, but it seems like a wasted chance. And, and um, 
I was sort of excited by the language of digital and particularly kind of computer generated uh, performance capture technology. Mm. Not really interested in the technology itself, but the way that the, the language that, that bloomed around it. So uh, performance capture. I mean, admittedly, it's, it's quite a banal, apparently banal title. But when gl glanced, even momentarily, fuck, we're talking about capturing people. Okay, so what does that even mean? You know, like, it's, it's always the shift. And I think that a lot of digital, di digital sort of textured language has this very smart little slippage between literality and figuration. So, you know, where, where a cloud isn't something we're supposed to think of. Oh, no, we're supposed to think of that literally. Like, great, it's just some sort of cloud, you know. Um, we're not supposed to feel its its figurative push or whatever, and and the same way of, as like I mean it, even just wirelessness or the whole thing is about the de the deferral of material reality, you know, all of it. Uh, and so performance capture was was a, an attempt to make a uh, a live thing where people would perform and be captured, but the, the their performances and their capturing were both. Were, were very deeply sort of a, afforded space to be thing, to be, you know, what performance would be all the way through, you know, uh, my performance right now uh, here or like my performance to my mum or whatever. So performance as a sufficiently developed figurative terrain and capture similarly, mm. you know, this deeply violent, horrible thing mm. to be done, the compromising involved. And oh my God, the compromising involved of, of someone someone's face and their nuanced uh, uh, self being, you know, rendered and rendering, you know, oh my God, the word, you know, it's like abattoir. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do to a fucking caught, like a, a dead animal, render bones? And then you do that to someone who's sort of... So, so all of these things have this extraordinary insidious, and they're constantly telling you about a reality that you're also asked to forget in the, in the final product. So it's almost like a, 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 a sort of terrifying sort of treasure map to the, the truth. <laughs> anyway, so the piece was written for that, it was written to be read by in one or two minute nuggets by 200 different people while being captured by 3D rendering things. And, um, and then was, so it's therefore a kind of uh, very horrid kind of med meditation because knowing that it, every person would be turned into the same uh, white guy would be violently turned into a, a um, <laughs> this figure um, for two and it's a two hour long insanely horrible I mean it's I don't think anyone's no one wants to watch it it's a horrible thing but but the text was totally written for for, for that you know um, it was to be a soliloquy, really, mm -hmm. uh, for one figure, but a legion-like figure who was occupied by 200 people. And the 200 people are yeah. pretty varied, right? So some of them are simply people who have come. Yeah. Some yeah. of the, I think, in, a, in an interview uh, with Hans Ulrich Oberst, you described them as celebrities. Um, yeah, I don't know who those celebrities. Most of them said no. Oh, really? Okay. When I say right. that, okay. because because the condition was that you you had to appear in public yeah. while being recorded. 
So FKA Twigs didn't want to do it. I mean, fine. I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge it. It's totally fine. Um, but I was really excited. Who else? I mean, we got, we got loads of ballet dancers and weird mm -hmm. people um, who were just sort of happy to, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I can't read your stupid text. And they were sort of angry, and they gave the worst performances of their lives, you know. But it was sort of wonderful to see that uh, filtered, rendered down into this sort of thing that was supposed to motivate the CGI figure, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but the best, the be I mean, it, it was also fantastic because uh, everyone was invited. So uh, anyone who was involved in the festival. So there'd be sort of uh, cleaners coming or administrators or, 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 or directors or anything. So it, it has both the kind of violence of the homogen material homogenizing of everyone's performance mm -hmm. into sort of this one horrible figure, and a, a lot of the text is, is deeply horrid, um, um, and at the same time had this kind of perverse democratizing mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. of like, well, you've got, you know, yeah. So that's the most convoluted and, 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 and deeply literalizing sort of version of writing something. That's what's happening, you know, that, that, it, that its connections are not, they're not far apart at all, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. And within that sort of democratic 200, any of these voices, um, celebrities or not, can fuck up, right? I mean, it's oh, one of, yeah. the, uh, one of the, the striking yeah. things about it is this combination yeah. of a certain seamlessness, obviously the, the visual level of the character <laughs> or the avatar, and the halting, sometimes simply mistaken, people misreading, sometimes people yeah. uh, who are clearly not English speakers misreading, but also just the fact of stumbling. Yeah. It's one of the, the works that seems to me to, to most obviously yes. foreground just that moment when the voice stumbles, falls. Mm. Well, the, 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 the stumbling is in the videos and in the writing is more often than deeply deliberate. Mm. But to actually, you know, and uh, I've too long kind of worked alone, I think, and felt very protective or, or, or misanthropic about all of this stuff. And I think, I think the thing about the Manchester thing, was, which was really great, and why it sort of ends the book is that it feels, um, even though in this form it's definitely my piece of writing, it produced uh, for me and a lot of people a, a, a very strange community, mm -hmm. you know, a community of both sameness and insane discretion, you know, where, where everyone was both... I, so I was there for you know a month and a half in Manchester and would meet every person and we'd talk and do this thing and they'd don all the mocap McGubbins Gubbins McGubbins Gubbins and it was very it was wonderful you know um, and they'd all get a copy of the script even though the script is uh, they're only reading these these tiny fragments so they have no idea of the 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 arc of this mm -hmm. thing which I would argue is potentially not not even present to the solitary reader, <laughs> but it's very definitely got a terrified kind of arc mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, about capturing people, about rendering bodies, about disappearing bodies. And um, what's been really nice about things like that and, and a couple of things before it is a sort of emergent uh, um, import, importance around well, just leaving leaving my bedroom to do the work, you know. But then the videos, making the videos and writing, have always been 
similar because it's just me in a room, you know. So it's not a. Do you want to read from it? Yeah. Totally. And then we should then we move to questions. Yes. Terrific. I'll read the last uh, bit, even though it won't make any sense. I um, went ahead and, and read that total policing backwards through the darkening metropolitan mirror, if you follow, um, the materialization of ethereal monomaniac deliberately canvassed and state-bobbed. So basically, it was just confirmed and, and way too late, cowards. Often was seen saliva stuccoed all over the cute other faces or embroidered on loose and or cropped black tees. The cock monogrammed brand affiliation filled doomed white van wolf slam sleeper held and, and held like the all too tangible ghosts of deer ticks and those dainty woodland bluets. And um, again, it was right there on the perma-throttling bulky white and really bad forearm like a totally backdated jail sentence raised in pale blue, heavy, ginger-thatched, bled-out cursive. You don't even need to be able to read to get the whole puss filth. We were pretty well incorporated by then, Kevin, pretty much inured, too, even and especially as you turned a fetching teal and your eyes erupted like some semi-perished stress toy. After all that, I, like you, I did the paranoic auto-critique thing and basically all the time busted pataphysical dervish, self-harming with every wicked revolution double-take what? Over the shoulder what? And just what was that climbing the ladder after me? Who was that making the whole edifice rumble and crumble like you we did of ourselves, as you of yourself? So we, we just had to be para and to the brink of screamo-wrenching mouth frother, right? to the very quivering lip, the moment with a whole gilt-knackered back sundered and all the red stuff grabbled onto the cobbles, Dave. That red um, stuff should have remained inside the back as it doesn't really work when it's not inside the back and further doesn't really work when it's outside and even in roughly the right order, even incubated by a crowd and the sun's blessing and willing, we all were, willing with all our hearts that we could just command Zed the lot, the repatriation of the schizoid happened over there beside a huge dome of Budlier and with a pretty amazing procession complete with floats, a brass band and refreshments, we drank a kind of cordial and talked, maybe sang, I think about girding the planet with love. Or we talked about turning the planet into a radioactive desert for the mummachog, cockroach, lingula and tardigrade, a terrible post-apocalyptic puppy show of the town musicians of Bremen scuttling or whatever apposite horror adverb through some living out their eternal days inside an oil drum or we talked and sang a little about girding the planet with love how the global's maneuvers might be better retooled as a way of spreading love about the planet meanwhile the surviving beings to stay warm had formed a kind of parasitic turducken tardigrade inside cockroach tardigrade and cockroach inside lingula, tardigrade, cockroach and lingula up against it and for no one to eat in the post-apocalyptic here, all across there. I'm basically a totally Baroque conceit, darling. Ghost of a universe of really big fleas. I'm tropical, certainly, and, and, and crammed with the ghoulish bits of actual people, literally, as in I'm engaged. Not like your fiancé, but like a toilet, more or less temporary occupancy for the exorcising of shit-headed demons. If only for a moment, out of sight of the moon, behind a weird mask I found in a charity shop that looked like a rare dog breed, but still sort of cute, 
Then you rolled your eyes right back and observed the flinching brain restrained against the grey occipital back wall by those paraphrenaic liver-spotted mitts. And then thin shaft of dwindling daylight picked out the pathetic hackles, the poorly wretches, the perspiration, illuminated cast bleak through blown trepanation. Picture it, Hannah. And the narrative... Aesthetic full frontal, the total blues, policing through jargon backed up with the hard polished turd kit. But straight up the sun blush bods, all them bombed quasi bods, and those well-deer extensions of the banging bods, weensy plumbing the world, sinew optic lashed, rebuffing your tight chamfered cable wish. Glossy insinuation up the high road via the disputed permafrost, bloody meltwater and seal club, materialising as if by magic as a pretty convincing pneumatic west. Not a hair out of place. And so go certain renderings of life, Sharon. I, blubber, icicle, shiv. The stakes of verite were so massively stacked in favour of dead human being persons, shambling and explicit super-allegorical, even as they retarded the possibility of their inference by the overwhelming spectacle of your follicular fidelity, the queasy purpling around that head trauma I could just about make out, the sense of gravitational conviction where the arm was hanging by a filament of gristle, the slow matting glisten of the piebald scalloped tongue, and the unfortunate sort of seeing eyes. Contemporary verisimilitude was dead, literally, figuratively, and vandalized allegory. Zombies stalked coherence, stalked the sense, hunted down intelligibility, and just shamed it. And this was also how I looked and how I didn't look also. Also was my forever hidden bits, not hidden for demure shrinking violets, but buried in everyone else's, to the hilt and figured wholly, a striking enfilade of every possible body, even and especially the gone ones, even those who were not yet and over there in space-time, whatever. It was always like this. Hegemony looked like this, Sally. Like me. Oh, and also my proper name is um, Death. I suppose I just wanted to see what all the fuss was about. I just wanted to see what the inside looked like. Over here was inside and here was outside and here was inside again. Like Likes include self-harm, according to how totally massively I failed you, redundant bums about the high street, electioneered for the only true party and forever the rimmer, anus of the city, crusted at either end, shit-blown or Zorovsky Netsuke darling puppy or seal pups, studded and dawdled from oversized Lanvin handbag zippers. I loved them. I loved to see them, Fran, to be dazzled by them. The um, freshly prepared, the engorged, the world elevated ideologically up from whatever livid basement. Elevated world enlightened up. I really, really liked the amount of control I had over what people thought of me. I just had to um, uh, sand off every prominence, ensure every unaccounted for was censored for and before the others got wind of the ripe corporal fetter. I really, really liked the... Fuck, sorry, this is really long. Um, <laughs> shall I just keep going? Uh, no. Anyway, I'll just skip a few uh, pages. Sorry. Really, Sarah. Sarah, where's Sarah? Anyway, uh, she should have been permitted the really good grace incoherence, practice proper, the ethic, she should have been left suspended, perpetually adjourned, and according to her own personal occult geometry, physics for self and self to self, and, 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 and integrity to have spun pirouette di diamond pinwheeled and not squarely at the death, and 
his super cogent and hot mangle reveal. This then, me, literally totaled the society as the whole we. So sad. This used to be a um, Tesco, mum, or like a castle, or a garage, or a bank, or something, or a gallery sort of thing, perhaps something public, something that does not engage the operational revelatory because it is open and um, public and by constitution, everything used to. Or of course, the erosion of the public sphere, an image of a silvery medicine ball or Mars or the dear Luna bankrupts the language and hides the keys. And outside the performance rages and fucking rages. Thank you. Mm. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. We've time for a couple of questions. Two things. The first is, um, the first time I saw inst- uh, work of yours installed in the gallery was this year, and I saw two very different ones, A Stair Talk Love and Safe Conduct. And I'd like to ask the difference in how much they speak, basically, between them. And uh, maybe, maybe the fact that those models that become very sharply defined says something about it, but I don't know. And the second thing is just about bathos a little bit. And uh, I sort of briefly spoke with you about the thing that, you know, when it was written, it was kind of a Tory thing, but how can you politicize bathos today in a different context? Um, just that. Oh, maybe, yeah. Around I don't really, I'm not entirely sure I understood most of that. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. But you were saying about the way that the installations speak. The, the videos. But I don't know what that means. Do you mean... The, 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 the voice... Ah, okay. Sorry. Sorry. So there's no speech in one and there's some in the other. Yeah, barely any speech in safe yeah, conduct. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if I wasn't clear. No, it's fine. Um, the only difficulty here is that I, I hope maybe there's some people that haven't seen the videos. But I think um, increasingly not using the text straightforwardly to just sort of have a convenient sort of explanatory, not really explanatory, but just something that, that kind of bolsters the visual stuff. Trying to sort of further uh, push the, the things that are in the language into the structure of the video making. It's always been the desire, I think, is to kind of not just ape, but kind of convince of the videos insofar as that they are, they don't necessarily, 
that they're very deeply related to the, the grammar and the syntax of, of the writing, but that they perform their own thing and that they, they do it holistically somehow between their music and their language. And, you know, it's, it's difficult it's just to sort of bring all of this stuff into a terrain where, where, where you, you know, you have the, all of the visual stuff, but also, I mean, everything else, you know. I'm trying to make it so it's not like, okay, this is illustrative of a long monologue, <laughs> which is would be super easy. But I think recently, almost entirely eliminating all the writing, but still feeling, I hope, a kind of uh, linguistic turn within it. You know, even you know, the 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 the, the edit of the whole thing is informed similarly. Uh, what was the second? The second bit. Was the, the whole thing around Beethoven, and um, yeah. you know, maybe I think that there could be. Uh, so, do you mean what is it, or, what, or like or what? How it could be informed politically as a form. Um, I think it's. I, I think it's. It's. It's immediately political insofar as it. it, it what it at least. Uh, at least for me. Uh, <clears throat> You know, its opposition to transcendence, which would be the kind of leaving behind of the material in some way, at least, you know, um, and has a presumed kind of optimism about it, or, or at least, you know, so to, to, to pathetically turn against something or to retard it. And for me, like, it's part of a kind of um, uh, an in favor of imminent uh, experience and. Um, retrieving uh, dematerialized or absented things, you bring them back. That is part of a pathetic shift, I think, from the sublime to the toilet uh, uh, in one way, but also in the way of like uh, from, from the kind of the magic apple thing to my bum or something, you know. <laughs> That's the same thing. We've time you know for one I mean. more question. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> Apple to my bum. Um. <laughs> um, uh, maybe I was going to repeat the question again, but um, I've been to your exhibition Stadelijk in Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. Thanks. And uh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'm interested in your. Um, like what? What do you think? How um, do your practice or like moving image, moving image installations, um, enhance or has an ability to enhance um, a sensation on, on of one's own corporeality? Like uh, it's like question of corporeality again. Like coming back to the yeah, kind of becoming a political space or yeah. site. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of arguing against the total immersion and kind of what you do with your installation installations is bringing um, the immersive power back to the corporeal kind of to feel more to yeah. to kind of see more about around your own bottle space or yourself and so on that's what's interesting me it interests me in your work I think that um I think it's it's related to to this uh, the the movement 
uh, and it's not just pathetic, but it's it, it's attached to that. But the, the the movement from a kind of almost rote rehearsal of um, a sort of generic. I don't know, like like the way that we know how to read certain things, and without thinking, you know, we are all very, well, not all, and that's too presumptuous, but but most of us are quite fluent in unthinkingly reading things um, within certain kinds of forms of media, and I think um, the 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 movement of rejection, you know, or of breaking that, you know, of uh, 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 pushing towards climactic satisfaction and then uh, not allowing it um, which I'm sure is like a sexual fetish as well actually like the like orgasm denial or something uh, uh, and he's on the rise I think uh, but I think that the um, what it is to uh, to sort of deny that moment of like achievement good 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 I think that is a kind of um, uh, 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 incorporating, and I mean that in a good way, not in the, uh, the bad way, of like being returned to something. And I think that uh, I, I think it's d distinct from, say, a cinema experience where you're you're pretty much, and most of the time at least, you're asked to kind of relinquish most things and just be and go with a diegetic thing and just. You know, and then emerge at the end and go, gosh, I'm still in the clinch of the cinema. Whereas I think that a lot of uh, what I want to do, at least, is about a kind of uh, uh, it's a much it's a more horrible thing in a way. It's like being invited in and then told to told to go, or, or like, no, that's it. No, you're not really here. You know, like you. And I think that if you're going to make moving image stuff and put it in galleries and not give people lovely chairs and things, then you're already. Uh, Angering, you're irritating their desire to uh, be in the thing, and I just wanted to have a nice time and let go of the thing. So I think that uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there. But I, I, it's uh, I often t try and think about like a, a return to the body, but it's which is a ridiculous thing to say and stupid. Uh, uh, but I still kind of want the the idea that. A lot of the time, one drifts apart from one. One is encouraged through some sort of really deep sort of sense of dualism, the mind and the body, or something like that. That sort of echoes out to a point where um, you. Uh, <laughs> this is too, yeah, but you know, it's like a um, I, I, I. Yeah, to be to be sort of afforded some holistic sense of my stupid body like not not knowing that i have legs until they're broken or something there's some perversity in that and i don't want to get to that point i want to sort of be constantly present uh uh together in the thing rather than uh wait for some terminal thing to kind of tell me i've got lungs even as they disappear or something. Yeah. sorry no that's a, that's a good, a good place to disappear <laughs> yeah. um Let's stop there. Thank you very, very much, Ed. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.